Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, welcome to episode 22 of the No Look Past podcast presented to you by WRSPN.com. We want to thank you for tuning in. You could be listening to anything in the world, but you're here with us, and we appreciate that. I'm your host, Frank Santos, a.k.a. my mom's favorite son that did not take six months to follow his own podcast Twitter account, unlike my man, my co-host, Andy Flint, Flimmo with the... That's slander, man. I don't even have to take it. I do want to, however... <laughs> Give a quick shout-out to all you people making NBA memes out there, and you're doing it in three little windows and showing me three little examples of a player doing this versus what a player does here. You can paint any picture with a few photos. Stop it. Yeah, shout-out shout out to my man Dev from War Room. We all know Dev. Uh, the, the meme police are on the job. That, that Steph Curry, Michael Jordan meme was just unacceptable. Unacceptable showing by the Internet there. We are going to start our show like we always do with the outlet pass, and then we will get into the Chicago Bulls, who we watched this week for our While You're Watching TNT segment, and then we want to talk about some NBA awards. But the outlet pass, as we said, is the first pass in a fast break, so it's the first pass in our show. We were actually going to talk about this regardless because Andy and I have been amazed at the inability of the OKC Thunder to finish late in big games. But a report came out tonight that, according to Pelicans announcer Joel Myers, which I don't know how he knows these things, Kevin Durant will leave OKC if if they do not make the NBA Finals. Your thoughts, Mr. Flynn? Uh, I, and here we go down the rabbit hole of, you know, rumor central. Every time there's a big name free agent and, you know, obviously when things aren't necessarily going well, which for the Thunder, I mean, you could say as the season things are going well, lately they're – four and six of their last ten, so I know, you know, tensions are running high. I, on the other hand, I almost feel like maybe some of these rumors are warranted at this point. Uh, I always feel like yeah. every rumor kind of comes from some truth. So uh, some of this stuff, when when you start to hear these things, I mean, it's it's got to be something going on. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I often feel the same way. I think when you hear reports, I don't know how true they are, and also I don't know how the Pelicans announcer kind of gets the scoop on an OKC story. But regardless, I, I do think there is some truth to it, but it was mildly surprising if true for two reasons. I mean, Durant and Westbrook really do seem to like each other, and playing together, as we've discussed multiple times on this show, it seems like they have found that sort of medium zone in playing together. But also you would think that with the two West powerhouses, with the San Antonio Spurs and the Golden State Warriors both having historic seasons, this wouldn't be a finals or bust year for the Thunder. So it's strange that Kevin Durant would kind of put that sort of out there. But then again, that may be part of the rationale for for Durant to say, hey, you know, we can't win. You know, we didn't win this year, so I'm out. So I don't know. I don't know what you think about that. Do you think it's a legitimate thing that he could do that? I mean, the thing with me is, and I agree with you, and I've said this for a while too, and I think people are always kind of putting, you know, putting you in the situation where you they want you to pick Westbrook or Durant like it can't be both. But right. this season's, I mean, besides the Warriors and the Spurs' great seasons, I mean, it, it's kind of almost eye-opening in a sense with the Thunders because what do they do from here to get better? I mean, if they, they, they clearly need to be better because San Antonio has 10 more wins than them, and they're not even the first-place team. So <laughs> you 10 less wins than a team who's in second place. And, I mean, you where do they improve? Like, how do you improve this Oklahoma City Thunder team right now? I mean, they have – 
you know, you, you have Kevin Durant, you have Russell Westbrook, you have Serge Ibaka. Um, you know, he was the guy you ultimately chose to, to be your third man over James Harden. And then I understand that I'm not, you know, reflecting back on that saying they should have kept Harden. I'm one of the people that always thought it should have been Serge because you have three players who are alike in Harden, Westbrook, and Durant, obviously. But you have Enos Tanner come in. Uh, Steven Adams has come along. Uh, what, what else does this team do to really get better other than make a big shakeup? And, you know, that could be something where if you're Durant, you have to at least be questioning, hey, can, when, when are we going to be better than the Spurs or the Warriors? It, it's a legitimate question. It's a legitimate concern. You know, they've been trying to find that that piece, that other guy. You know, they've had so many, you know, from waiters to – Oh, who they have, um, you know, Jeff Green was there at one point. You know, they've been constantly trying to find that other guy to, to fit in with these core three, and they just can't seem to do it. But you know my man Westbrook read that report and then went up to Kevin Durant like, What? Bro, what are you talking about, man? <laughs> he, he was mad. He, Westbrook does not want to just be alone <laughs> in OKC with just him in his pocket. That That's not going to work for him. So I'm in the congregation that sort of thinks, Durant will sign a short-term deal, you know, one to two years, a LeBron when he went back to Cleveland, to match the possibility of Westbrook leaving, whose contract is up soon as well, and to maximize the new TV deals. But if you're Kevin Durant, you got to be thinking, like, the Eastern Conference certainly has to appeal. you got all these West teams. you got the Warriors, the Spurs, these juggernauts. And in the Eastern Conference, you have a flawed Cleveland team that sort of is the, the peak of the East, and then a up-and-coming sort of Toronto team, and then a bunch of mediocre teams. So, as an extreme example, let's just say like Durant was on my Nets this season. They're probably a top five seed with just with the addition of Durant because of the lack of talent. Even with the lack of talent on that team, there still is a mediocrity of the Eastern Conference, which has gotten better but still does not have great teams in it. I mean, I think another thing is if we want to keep you know we want to keep this going, <laughs> is that it's it's almost at this point I think it's easy for Durant to walk away in the eyes of fans, not necessarily OKC fans, but in the general spectrum of things. I mean, kind of almost the opposite of a LeBron in a sense, and it's unfair, but everything is unfair when we're talking LeBron. But Durant, Durant, the door's kind of open now because, you know, it can easily be said, well, him and Westbrook don't work together. Uh, you can look at other factors such as the, the Thunder aren't, you know, a storied franchise in any respect, things like that. I just, I feel like it's the, the mat is kind of laid and and Durant can make his decision. And another thing is I think people always tend to, to take these sides where they're like, Oh, I know this guy isn't going to go anywhere. He's a good dude. He does this and this and that. I mean, that those thoughts are gone, man. I I said that back when LeBron left the Cavs the first time. Ah, LeBron's not going anywhere. He's got something to prove. He's here, you know, in the, the home state. And then he just, you know, blew my mind. So at this point, I think, you know, you can't really ever say, well, he's a good dude, and I know this guy. Oh, he loves it here. I mean, it, it just never quite shakes out the way you want it to. And to your point, Kevin Durant has given OKC enough time. It's not like he was, okay, we've got to improve this year, and then it's over. I mean, Kevin Durant's been there. You know, he gave him two contracts. He's been there since his rookie year. So it's not like – He's he's kind of strong arming them. He's he's sort of given them time to build a team around him, and they haven't done so. And you know, it's sort of like, you know, OKC is sort of like Derrick Rose's now in in the fact that when OKC went to the finals, we were we were sort of like against Miami. 
we're like, okay, this is going to be the matchup for the next 10 years. You know, OKC doesn't need to win now because they're going to, you know, they're going to be in the finals every year from now. So it really doesn't matter if they win now because they're young. And we thought the same thing when Derrick Rose won the MVP. It was sort of, it was sort of like, oh, you know, Derrick Rose is just beginning. You know, it's just, it's, it, this is just the start for him. He's going to be an all-star. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. So even if, you know, if he doesn't win the MVP or the Bulls don't win the championship, it's okay because Derrick Rose is the future. So, yeah, and you know, I mean, uh, it, it, it happens that way. And to your point, uh, talking about the finals, we did expect that. We expected to see the Thunder back, you know, year after year, and this was going to be a thing. And, you know, that obviously, you know, didn't end up coming to fruition. But I think in, in this this era, this day and age, it's kind of one of those things where we don't kill guys as much. There's the occasional one. LeBron got killed, obviously. But we don't kill guys when they do go other places. It's almost like one of those – we're in this weird era, and because of that, the league changes so much that I think the Thunder's window, and we talked about the Bulls, but the Bulls were obviously had a lot to do with Derrick Rose's injuries. The Thunder window just kind of like went away real fast, and Durant, at the height of his popularity, played the wrong position because then the point guard position became the thing, and it kind of got really weird really fast. And I feel like the, the, that Thunder team was supposed to be so much better than it actually played out to be. And a lot of it is just because of the dynamic of the league and the way things are changing. Absolutely. absolutely. And speaking of Derrick Rose, this is what they call a segue, kids. So we were going to move on for a while. You were watching TNT segment. We were watching the Chicago Bulls. What a weird team, man, Andy. I don't know. We're going to get into it, but this is a weird team. Anyways, the basics, they had a two-and-two two work week, lost at Miami, lost at Orlando. Your, your Magic just pummeled them. They had a W in prime time on, on ABC with Jimmy Butler's brief return. So he, now he's out again. Um, and he was out for tonight, and they still won. They had a W versus the Milwaukee Bucks. Andy, how many uh, terrible bowl games did you watch? And what were your impressions? Well, I did watch the Magic game, which I liked. Sure. I enjoyed it. It was a good, good game for the young Aaron Gordon. Uh, I also watched the Houston game, so I got to, to see a loss and a win. I think, yeah, the, this team is – they're almost kind of like the Mavs, not quite as good as the Mavs, but in a sense where I don't know what to expect from them. They're like weird to me. They Sometimes they look at in that the Houston game <laughs> confirmed my suspicions more that this is a weird team because I thought James Harden had the type of game that James Harden has when you win. And then they, sure. you know, they lost and it wasn't a blowout. It was just the, the eight point thing. Gasol had a big night on the glass, but I, yeah, they're weird. Just when I think I might be like, oh, I, I figured these guys out a little bit. Nope, they do something, and I'm like, you know, what the hell? And the Jimmy Butler thing obviously had an effect on that game uh, being back. They, yeah, they're they're a very weird team. I think before that, when they had lost like four in a row, and before the four in a row, they had won three in a row, and before that, they had lost five in a row. So, yes, I mean, weird, weirdest team ever. I, I think it's official to say. Yeah, it's a strange season. I'm not going to lie. I didn't realize how far down they were in the standings when we started to watch them. I left last week saying we were going to watch the Bulls because I thought, hey, maybe, you know, this is a team that can contend with Cleveland. That's something we've also talked about a lot this season, who's going to be that team that contends with Cleveland. I thought the Bulls were like a top five seed, and they were just kind of like trying to round into their zone here. I didn't realize they were in danger of not even making the playoffs. And when I started watching them, I saw the standings, and it seemed like the Houston and Chicago game was a mirror match. Not in style, but just in disappointment. Those were like the two disappointing teams in, in, in the league, and it was funny to watch them face off against each other to see who was it, – it almost seemed like it was going to be the, one of those games where 
each team was trying to lose and one team was going to just try and not win but not lose. Um, it didn't turn out that way. I mean, Chicago had a good game, obviously. Like you said, Jimmy Butler returned, so that's a huge part for them. But anytime your season hinges on things like let's wait until Mike Dunleavy gets back, which was a legitimate midseason storyline, you're not in good shape. So what else did you think of uh, – of the of the Bulls, particularly, I want to I want to hear your thoughts on Derrick Rose because he did play well this week while we were watching. I mean, I you know for the most part, I, considering the season, uh, you know the body of of work that Derrick Rose has put out as a whole this year, I think that uh, he missed a few games. There was like a three game stretch in there, but I think since the All Star break, he's been pretty good. I I, I mean I, I believe that's fair to say at this point. Um, sure. I don't, I don't have the exact numbers from the All-Star game, but if he just dodges down through the, the game log, I mean, I think that he's scored 14 a couple of times since that break. But, I mean, he's had a lot of 20-point games and even a 30-point game in there. Uh, while we watched him, I think he had 22 tonight. Uh, actually, probably his best game was tonight. The the Houston game, he had a pretty good game, I do remember. I don't remember exactly what he ended up with. I only knew the 22 from the night because it just scrolled across the the screen here as I'm trying to multitask. I thought the, the Orlando game to me, he seemed like he really struggled, uh, like facilitating the ball. I don't remember. I mean, I, do you know what I mean? That's and I think that's been Rose's problem is the old Rose just moved so fast that I feel like things kind of just happened because they happened, you know, like he's, he was right. obviously a scorer, but you would see him in stretches, you know, a few years ago when he was in the, the MVP form, he made all the passes. And I think it was just because he was moving so much faster than everybody else that it made him seem like a better passer than he actually was because nobody else was like on the same wavelength as this guy. Now it seems like since he has slowed, he can still score and he still has that explosion here and there. But I feel like it is really hurt the way he sets the table. I mean, if you, if you, and that's another thing, if you were able, if you were to go to his game log and look down, the, the assist numbers are inconsistent for Rose. While I do feel like he's kind of getting some of it back, I'm to the point where I, I know for a fact that 27 years old, Derrick Rose is never going to be the same player again that he was. However, yeah, that does not mean – it doesn't mean he can't be the second-best player on, you know, this team. They, they've just got to they, – they need something else. I think you can – they could make a safe move, the Chicago Bulls, going forward, I think, with Jimmy Butler as their guy – and Derrick Rose on the side here. I mean, he's got that big contract, so I doubt they're getting out of that anyways. But they've, it's the other things, maybe Pau Gasol, pieces like that. They've, they've got to figure out something to, that works. And uh, maybe not your boy Dougie McBuckets, because he can dunk now apparently. Oh, we're, we're going to get don't, – don't you worry. We're going to get into Dougie McBuckets. That, that's a topic. So I do want to say that a fun fact is that Derrick Rose has played more games than Jimmy Butler this season, which is not something you would expect historically because <laughs> Jimmy Butler has sort of been an engine and Derrick Rose has sort of been a cripple. So it's not something you would expect, but Derrick Rose relatively healthy this season. And I will say that Derrick Rose, I agree, is past his prime. I think it's, you can't even deny it, but I think he is sort of learning how to – move on to the second point of his career. And I think this is him, as funny as it sounds, this is him sort of finding his game, which is kind of strange for a guy that's been an MVP before. And to Jimmy Butler's point, I love Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler has a solid second-round pick game where you feel like he knows the name of every analyst that has ever said a bad thing about him. I don't think you can bet your life that he doesn't have a, a Chad Ford dartboard in his house and he just, like, nails the bullseye every time that he, that he drops 30. So that, that's what I want to say. That, that's all I got there. But uh, 
Do you have any more thoughts? What about Powell? You, you mentioned Powell, um, and, and I'm already sad about a post-Powell NBA. I mean, some tall guys play basketball because they're tall. Powell is meant to play basketball professionally, and he does a lot of the handling on this team, which is why maybe Derrick Rose's assist numbers aren't as big. I mean, Powell had like 16 assists tonight. Um, so what, what do you think about Powell on this team? I think you think it's time for him to go is what you're saying. I mean, I love Powell Gasol. Uh, Powell Gasol, since, you know, the Grizzlies days, was kind of been one of my favorite players. He was a guy I always used to target in fantasy basketball. 35 years old, the way the league has changed. I I, I just think if you look at something like Powell's PR, because I saw it the other day, and it's over 20. I want to say it's like 23 or 24. It may be yep. a little lower than that. He He's playing great basketball, but I almost just wonder if he's a dinosaur at this point, and not because he's 35 years old, but because of the way the game has changed. I, I I almost feel like these numbers sometimes are a little skewed. I mean, because if you look at his body of work, stats, it, it's great. It's all there. But, like, something's not working. We talk about him. We talk about, I mean, Butler's missed the games, but he's having a good season when he's there. Rose is having a decent season. It's still not working, and I mean the East has improved kind of, but it's like they're sitting in the eighth seed right now. They're one game over five hundred. I mean they have a few teams breathing down their throats right there. I just something's not working, and I feel like the dynamic needs to change. And to me, at thirty five years old, Powell's the easiest one to move on from, uh, especially yeah, since he's not you know a long time Bulls player or anything. But you know another thing I did want to say before we move to is uh, the the Derrick Rose finding his game thing that you mentioned. That's okay, too. And people are going to want it. You know, they're not going to want to let this be okay if Rose is, you know, just a 15-6 and six player. But that's fine. Like, he can be that player. And he can have a career that way. I mean, Vince Carter's still dunking basketballs, ladies and gentlemen. So, I, I feel like any player can redeem and have a career. And he can play another several years. It's just people are always going to say he's underachieving because he's not that Derrick Rose, you know, from 2010. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. It's funny that you were talking about Kyle Gasol's PER because I was actually looking at that this morning. It was a point I was going to bring up and then sort of abandoned for other things that we were going to talk about. Consistency is really the best word for Kyle Gasol. I mean, his PER, he had one his season before the last season. I believe it's the 2012-2013 season with the Lakers before he left. He had like a 16.7 PER, and that was the lowest of his career. But otherwise, he's anywhere from the 19 to 23 range and just very – very consistent. Like you know what Pau Gasol is going to give you night in and night out. He's not going to give you great defense, even though he is a better defender than I think people give him credit for. But, you know, he's not a defensive turnstile. I'll put it that way. But he's also he's just going to give you that consistent jump shot. He's got the post moves. Like you're saying, though, his game is a little aged out. You know, he does have that old era game. But I want to get into my man, Dougie McBuckets, who has joined the exclusive I'm white and actually playable in more than garbage time club. Gordon Hayward is running for his second term as president, and David Lee was nice enough to resign, so McBuckets could have a seat on the board. Very nice of him. What do you think about my man Dougie McBuckets? You got You got to give it up to him. I mean, I you know I never loved the kid coming out, and I still don't necessarily no, love him. I, I I think you know I think he can be a solid rotation guy. I I I love the athleticism. When he did that dunk the other night, I was I was like yeah, just going nuts, kind of cheering for the guy because it is nice to see somebody do something you weren't sure they could really do. And you know sure. I listen. I think what what McDermott needs to do is he needs to take a page out of you know another guy's book like a JJ Redick. Just be in the gym, man. Be a gym rat. 
study the game, get in there. And you got to, the most importantly than anything for these, especially guys who are dubbed as shooters, is when you're in the game, learn from Jimmer Fredette. You have to make your jump shots and make it count. And I, I think he'll be fine. I don't, again, I don't think he's, you know, ever going to be a star necessarily, but I, I think he could be a, a very solid, maybe even a starter. But I, I think like a yeah, seventh half, something like that. That's a, that's a move up for you in, in, in the category of W.M. McBucket. So, uh, the last thing I want to say, and then I'm going to go to the elephant in the room question for you, is the most evident thing to me was that these are not your Tom Thibodeau Chicago Bulls. Not at all. You wouldn't think one season can make such a difference, but listen to this, Andy. Before tonight, before their win against Milwaukee, they had given up 16 consecutive games of 100 points of more. I think Tibbs just collapsed. Just just hearing that, I think he has like a sixth sense. He knows that that happened. He knows that I just said it, and he just collapsed on the floor, even though he's not the coach of the team anymore. Which brings me to the elephant in the room question, which is what is this team good at? Because I couldn't quite figure out what their like identity was for a team that historically, for the last five to six years, has had an identity. It seems like this team doesn't have one. The, the sad part is, is their identity is – an identity that doesn't work anymore because they're still a tough basketball team. They're not defensive-minded the way they were. They're tough. They're scrappy. They have guys that will, you know, put bodies on you. And, and they're strong. I mean, a, a guy, even a guy like Derrick Rose is a strong guy for his size. Jimmy Butler is a very strong guy for his position. They they still play a kind of basket. And it's almost like a, a Grizzlies-esque type thing. And I don't think it works anymore. I think, frankly, even if you're good at it, some of these teams are still going to put up over 100 on you because teams are gearing their offenses. So, with that said, I, I believe the Bulls' identity is a lost art, and they've, they've really got to do something to flip it around and, and gain traction. Pay Jimmy Butler some money. Now you got to make something happen. <laughs> yeah, that would be nice. Jimmy Butler is definitely going to get paid. It's, it sounds like, from what you're saying, this team kind of misses Joe Kim Noah, even though he's arguably kind of past his prime like Derrick Rose is now, too. But that's a whole other story. We're going to move on to our next segment. We wanted to talk about some NBA awards. And what we wanted to talk about particularly, because as we all probably know and agree, Steph Curry sort of has the MVP locked up. You can just mail it to him now. There, there is, It's just a fight for second place at this point. There's, there's really no use in discussing who's going to be the MVP this season. We all know it's Steph Curry. So what I want from you, Andy, is what do you think is the most competitive award this season, the award that five different – you might ask five different people and they have five different answers and all of them are possibly legitimate? You know, I don't know if I can quite give you five, but I think personally <laughs> if, we're not, if we're not talking who's getting second place to Steph Curry in the MVP vote, because that, that could be close. I think I was sure. looking at basketball reference just, just for uh, shits and giggles here. They were showing earlier that, like, you know, they have their prediction thing. Steph Curry was like 70% out of, like, 10 guys for the MVP vote this season. It's but be high. It should have been higher than that. <laughs> I mean, it's, like 95. But even with 10 guys, it's crazy to see somebody have 70% of the, you know, That's the true. fake <laughs> votes. So, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the most improved players. I mean, this is probably an easy one to figure out. I think there's quite a few guys you can name. I think there's one Huge name jumps out at the top kind of is C.J. McCollum just because of the huge increase in points per game, and that always will kind of do it. I think Jimmy Butler won it. Uh, when Jimmy Butler won it, I think he had something like a seven-point-per-game increase, I want to say. Uh, we're talking, about, right. we're talking about my, my man C.J. McCollum has like a 14-point-per-game, <laughs> so he's doubling Jimmy Butler. And seven's a lot, too. Like I, 
to, to – I mean, the minutes are huge. It's like a 20-minute – he went from playing 15 to playing 35. But not to drape on C.J. McCollum, I think there are quite a few other guys that can be in the mix. And I think Steph Curry should really be considered as one of them because yeah. I, I know I know people don't necessarily love it, and I don't see him on the radar when people are talking about this. But, I mean, Steph Curry's – I mean, he's up about seven points per game. I mean, we know the things he's doing. He's uh, he's taking, uh, I mean, 11 threes. He's making five of these threes a game. The, the things he's doing, the way his team's winning, I think his teammate uh, Draymond Green should be in the consideration. A guy like Will Barton. I mean, there's just so many, even a Kawhi Leonard or a, an Andre Drummond. I, there's just a lot of these guys who have really stepped up big, and I've probably missed quite a few as well. But that that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. You're right about Steph Curry. He'll never win it, like you, like you're saying. You know, we can look no further than the year James Harden was. You know, became James Harden, the James Harden that we know today. Everybody said he should have won the Most Improved Player, and I don't believe he won that year. Uh, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure he didn't. And so, you know, the guys that sort of are at that elite level, the, the award is sort of meant for a CJ McCollum. Like that's that's a great example. Legitimately, there are more there are casual NBA fans, or maybe even above-average casual NBA fans who really didn't know who C.J. McCollum was until this season, legitimately. And he has—he was in the league last year. He did do things for Portland last year. But, you know, it's, it, when a guy sort of, like, bursts on the scene like that, it, it, it is the, the kind of guy that wins most improved players. I opted to go for Coach of the Year. I think Coach of the Year is a very competitive race this season because – so we have the Warriors, right? But then you have the whole Steve Kerr, Luke Walton, first 30-game kind of thing going on. So who knows how that sort of factors out. Like, I, I don't even know if Luke Walton is eligible for the award, if he can get any votes. But I think if he can, he will. He will get a vote or two. Then obviously you have Pop. And then, like, we're talking about Portland. You have Terry Stotts, who is doing an amazing job in Portland, a team that really nobody thought was going to make the playoffs to sort of surprise everybody. And then you, ha- you even have in the Eastern Conference, you have Dwayne Casey with Toronto. You know, they're sort of overachieving in the in the two slot. You have the Celtics, Brad Stevens, who everybody, you know, said is a genius. Like, literally, they think the guy is just a great, one of the great basketball minds to come in the NBA in the last 10 to 15 years. So he could win it. So I think it's going to be an interesting race. You know, you wouldn't think so when you have a team that's going to maybe break the Bulls' record. And maybe that coach doesn't win Coach of the Year, which would be strange, but... I think that that is the uh, most competitive award. And Steve Kerr and the Golden State Warriors have Luke Walton out there looking like Matt Castle in the Patriots offense. And they were just cleaning up. But, no, I, I agree with you with the coach thing, too, and I was just thinking about that earlier. Uh, and Brad Stevens was a guy who kept coming up in my mind, too. I mean, you're talking the, the three seed in the East, which is obviously worse than, like, you know, that's tied for, like, fifth in the West. But Brad Stevens has done a great job. And that's the thing with the Celtics and namely you said the Trailblazers too. Those two teams to me, like, nobody expected them to do really – I mean, the Celtics were borderline. I know there's some people kind of, you know, kicking up dust about them before the season. It was probably like Bill Simmons or something. But, I mean, Portland, everybody had dead in the water. I just, you know, there's – I agree. I think the the, the Coach of the Year award is is close. But it's kind of – I mean – I feel I would still give it to Steve Kerr. 
I love I love your your loophole in the New England Patriots Matt Castle example because when he goes to the Knicks next season and they pay him thirty million dollars, he might turn into uh, Matt Castle in Kansas City with a flick. So we are going to move on to the end of our show as we do every week. Everybody, there's always somebody like Jay Z said, we don't believe you. You need more people, and there's always somebody in the NBA that needed way more people. Andy, who needed more people this week? I think it's Kevin Durant because he's got some leaky faucets, I feel, around his camp, whether they're just making up stuff. Because these stories, there's so many of them that I just feel like, you know, some of these guys, the the Frankazolas of the world, they kind of make things up as they go. But when you have so many little distractions and all these things getting out, something's going on. Katie, you got to tighten your people up. You need more people. You need better people. Yeah, absolutely. I am going with Ben Simmons. Even though you're not in the NBA yet, you're still eligible. I understand, Sam. Like, your back hurts from carrying your team, and it can be hard to study that way. But, listen, C's get degrees. 2.0 GPA is not that difficult. So, Ben Simmons, Kevin Durant, Daisy would like to say. we don't believe you. You need more people. So, with that, we are going to move on to the end of our show. Andy, who are we watching for next week? We're going to watch the Clippers. Oh, I was not expecting you to say that. I was expecting like either the Dallas Mavericks or the either the Dallas Mavericks or the Houston Rockets for the two teams I was I had it narrowed down to with my I was trying to know Andy Flynn and the Clippers <laughs> were sort of out of nowhere. I'm excited. Blake may be back by then, so we'll give it a shot. See what Chris Paul and, and the crew are doing in LA. But that is the end of our show. We will um, please join us next week for our journey around the NBA. We will be back. Um, we will end like we always do with the great philosopher, Jason White Chocolate Williams, who once probably thought basketball is a lot like last call to the bar. Sometimes it's better to pass without looking. And with that, we bid you good night.